Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Caught! Touchdown! Kansas City! Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we have you covered. Joining Sports Daily Live, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. All right, welcome back in, everybody, to hour number two with Dan Israel joining us here. Dan, how are you? Happy postseason. The Chiefs are in. It's the Dolphins. It's a rematch. Here we go. This is just what we've been waiting for. Yeah, for those that, you know, that game got transferred to Germany between the Dolphins and the Chiefs midseason. I think everybody was kind of disappointed that Tyreek Hill wasn't coming back to Arrowhead. Well, you got your wish. He's coming back now. And it's and it's going to be a more meaningful game than a regular season game. So it should be a very exciting one. I, I just wonder, Dan, like, when as this was all playing out, and so I was traveling, I, I didn't realize until – you know, probably a long drive home from Texas that Pittsburgh had played their way into the possibility of playing Kansas City. So that would, I think everyone would agree, would have been the best option. But getting Miami instead of Buffalo does feel like a nice consolation prize. Like Buffalo was a worst-case scenario. Miami, they're down a couple of linebackers, we find out today. It feels like, you know, an Isaiah Pacheco kind of... this. The Chiefs should feel good, I think, about this matchup and... I think we can all look at it as a game that they should win. Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, the the dominance that Miami was demonstrating early in the season has really evaporated, and they're very banged up. They are not playing their best football. Uh, The Chiefs maybe are ascending, and they are descending. That doesn't always translate to a victory, of course, but it it bodes well. And I think the fact that the game's going to be in Arrowhead where it's going to be freezing cold and Tua never having won a game below whatever it is, 45 degrees, uh, you know, I think it'll be a little bit of shock to all of them. Certainly Tyreek Hill knows how to play in cold weather, but uh, I think it's a a good matchup. Ideally, I think I would have liked Buffalo to have, uh, uh, for Miami to have won, had to play Buffalo the following week, and then one of those guys knock each other out. This scenario does leave the opportunity for the Chiefs to go to Buffalo in January, and I don't like that. I never like that, but uh, I think as, as a first-round playoff, it's definitely a, a game the Chiefs have the potential to to, dim, to, uh, to dominate. You know, I mean, they, if they can come out and play their style of ball, I, with as banged up as Miami's defense is, it, it could be a good victory for us. You know, Dan, going back to the game on Sunday, and I know that there were a ton of backups that played, and it's really hard to take a whole lot away from the game against the Chargers, but the one thing that stands out to me is the way McCole Hardman played. And, you know, of course, they wanted to get him involved early. He's been working his way back from that injury. Do you think that his ability and his effort from what we saw on Sunday against the Chargers can translate into a playoff run? Well, I sure hope so, Tommy. I, I keep waiting for it to happen, don't you guys? I mean, it's yeah. just like sooner or later you're going to see that old McCall Hardman out there, and 
we just haven't gotten there. So it was good to see him out there and catching balls. And, and uh, I, I want to believe that I really do because I know he's talented. I love his speed on the field. That is certainly a threat always to any team. I don't care who you're playing when you've got a fast receiver out there uh, to some degree, you have to be, you have to protect yourself against that because if he gets behind you and he's got wide open territory, his, his chances of increasing or of catching the football increase, even under the circumstances we've kind of played all season. So I think so. I mean, I, I, I do know the way coach Reed, you know, I always thought in the nineties with Marty Schottenheimer, he was so motivational, you know, he'd come into the locker room and he would get the guys so riled up to play I think the one area that that always hurt him was when you got to the playoffs, there was just no step up. There was no place else to go because you'd been doing it all year. Coach Reed doesn't do that. And so I think one of the things we've seen out of the last six years or the last 10 years, if you want to go all the way back, is that when they get to the playoffs, they do kind of find an, another gear and another energy. And if the Chiefs locker room can do that and McCall Hardman can do that and can kind of return to his former self – uh, you know, I think it'll be a, a, an outstanding performance on on Saturday night. Well, don't you think too? Just as we look at motivation, it's easier to find this year than in a lot of recent years, where the expectation was just that the Chiefs were better than everybody. I'm not sure that expectation exists this year. I think most people would say, you know, if you had to poll a hundred people, I think the majority would say Baltimore and Buffalo would be ahead of the Chiefs. The Chiefs who can play with a chip on their shoulder, have a big chip to place right there. The defending champs, right? No respect. That's like the easiest motivation in the world for the Chiefs to go find. Yeah, you would think so. And I think one of the things that has been kind of missing all year is that sense of competitiveness in the locker room. You know, it's as if you've got whatever, six or eight receivers in there and you – None of them are necessarily rising to the top. You always, you always think somebody's going to take advantage of that opportunity, and it really hasn't happened. And when you are the world champions, I, I get you get all the team's toughest games against you, right? I mean, everybody's bringing their A game. Yeah, well, that that only goes so far. I, I I really think that, you know, if you're a champion and you know what it takes to be a champion, you should have a leg up, and you should be able to use that as motivation to say, hey. I'm up on the hill. I'm going to stay on the hill, and and there's nothing you can do about it. And and just the kind of uh, December's that both the Eagles and the Chiefs have had, uh, it's it's been an interesting season. I mean, you've got Buffalo, who looked like they were down and out, who climbed their way not only back into the playoffs but a division championship. So let's see the Chiefs do that same thing: climb out of this hole and let's get going. One of the concerning things from the game on Sunday against the Chargers, Dan the injuries that we saw happen on the offensive line. And it it had been something that, you know, I know that the Chiefs have been dealing with, not even just from the game on Sunday, but even last week and the week before. Where do you think things stand now, uh, injury-wise, health-wise, with the starting offensive linemen that we can expect this weekend? You know, obviously, Wanye is a big deal. Uh, The good good thing about that is it's concussion. The bad thing about it, it's just concussion. You never really know how they're going to, you know, evolve over the week. Sometimes guys come out of that protocol by Thursday or Friday. Sometimes it takes two weeks for them to get out of it. And so you hate to see that. I, I don't know the status yet of Donovan Smith, whether he would be back, whether he could. This is kind of the, the 
it seems like the the recent curse of the Chiefs, right? You know, we get into the playoffs and all of a sudden we lose a lineman and and you you tend to forget how valuable these linemen can be until they're gone and they're not or not playing well and uh but always a concern because you can't carry that many. You know, you just it's not like you go into a game with 12 linemen. You go into a game with seven or eight guys, and five of those have to play. So if a guy or two goes down, you're already at the bottom of your depth in terms of offensive line. So you never want to be there. I thought it was good that they got Nick Allegretti in the game. They they did some switch up. I don't know if you guys noticed they were doing, they were moving guys around and getting them practice in Sunday's game against the Chargers at different positions, just in the event that they have to use that. And while no one wants to see it, it's always good to know that the Chiefs are prepared for it. So just as we look at the Dolphins, Dan, Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs radio network, it uh, doesn't look like Xavier Howard's going to play either. We know that, you know, Bradley Chubb is out. Uh, it, defensively, the Dolphins have just been decimated. They've got, you know, Melvin Ingram in there mixing it up a little bit. Like, I, I, this – I don't know. Is is there an opportunity? To, and I know the weather's going to be cold, but when the Dolphins are down that many guys, and we just in this conversation, I think we've listed off four, uh, two of whom would be, you know, pro bowlers, maybe three after the year Van Ginkle's having. Like, this is a big opportunity for the Chiefs offense, who's had a week off, who's had time to prepare, time to, you know, maybe get a little, you know, right a little bit it's it it, is it a get right game for the offense do you think with what we're looking at in Miami yeah Jacob I think a little bit it is but I and I think you know and that Van Ginkle injury is a is a big one as well and and so for them to be down three linebackers and you know I I just don't know how you stop a guy like Isaiah Pacheco with your starting linebackers how are you going to do it with backup linebackers, right? I mean, it just seems like it it's a perfect recipe. That, the cold weather, it just seems like a get day that if the Chiefs were ever going to run the football, ever just going to put it in Isaiah Pacheco's hands and say, go get us this victory, it ought to be against the Miami Dolphins. I feel like that is definitely a recipe for at least controlling the clock and kind of managing the Dolphins, who can score 30 points. And, and I think the, difficult, the difficulty for the Chiefs is – we haven't been able to score 30 points this season offensively, so you really do want to kind of smother that that offensive uh, prowess of Miami somehow. Uh, they did an excellent job of taking Tyreek Hill out of the game in Germany. It was fantastic. And I think, you know, you've still got a banged-up Waddle. You've still got a banged-up Tyreek Hill. Uh, they're probably going to run the football, too. I mean, if I were them, I would say their best chance at winning is to control the clock and run the football on us. But I think for the Chiefs, it definitely is a recipe where I'd love to see, you know, Pacheco get 130 or 40 yards. I think if he does that, we move on to the next round. So knowing all of that, Dan, if you are Andy Reid this weekend and knowing what you know about the wide receivers and knowing what you know about the injuries uh, with the wide receivers and the production and what we saw from McCole Hardman last week, who do you have starting at wide receiver? You, I mean, I'm thinking Rasheed Rice, obviously. Do you put McCool Hardman as a starter? Do you throw MVS back out there, give him another try? What are you doing if you're Andy Reid starting at wide receiver? Yeah, I always think it's interesting the way Coach Reid kind of game plans against another team. He looks at it less about the player 
Well, and I'm guys, I'm putting words in the coach's mouth right here. So, and let me just say for the record, glad I'm not Andy Reid yeah. this weekend because that's a tough call. But the way he, I, I sense that he game plans and what I've seen is he takes and he finds a matchup that he likes. Now, sometimes that matchup isn't what we think. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, a guy who can transition from one direction to the other fast. Sometimes it's a guy who has straight line speed. Sometimes it's a guy whose first move is good. And so he finds that matchup that he can kind of take advantage of and expose. And that's the guy he's going to kind of spotlight, right? So all these guys will probably get some targets. I mean, we've seen that even throughout this year, let alone last year, the the variety of receivers that are used are amazing. I mean, it just, it's almost confounding that how many guys Mahomes can hit. So I think you'll see everybody get a shot, a target, but I think he'll find a, a, a guy or two that he thinks matchups is a, is a good matchup against the, the Dolphins defensive secondary or even defensive line. Uh, and, and kind of take advantage of that. That's the way he kind of game plans, which is, you know, frankly, it's very Belichickian in that you take away their their best player kind of. He's taking a, a crack in in the dam, and he's not sticking his finger in it. He's, you know, he's prying it open. And so I, I guess that would be the best answer I could give you, but I, I certainly think he'll feature at some point Rasheed Rice because Rice is just having too oh, yeah. good a year not to. But uh, I think – you know, he'll use Hardman's speed, maybe some of his jet sets, and, and I think you'll even see MVS out there as well. I, I think what's interesting too, Dan, is we know and we've talked about, like, what needs to happen for the Chiefs to be successful. But the one thing that can't happen that takes it away is the key turnover, the key mistake that allows Miami to get maybe easy points or points they shouldn't get early. Like, as much as it is, like, the Chiefs have to make sure whatever this second receiver is doesn't make a key drop or, or run the wrong route or do anything else. Like, they mistake-free allows you to run the ball, too. That's something that they haven't been able to cure, even as they've run the ball more. But it feels yeah, amplified now in games like this. Yeah, Jacob, you're absolutely right. I, I thought one of the most encouraging things about two weeks ago against the Bengals was they had a, a second lowest penalty total for the season um, in that game. And one of those penalties was an unnecessary, it was an early unnecessary roughness penalty, which, you know, as Dana Hughes always says, sometimes you wear a penalty. Sometimes you're going to say, Hey, I'll take a penalty, but I need to send a message here. And if it costs me a penalty to do it, I'm going to do it. And that was Mike Dana's version of saying, I think it was Mike Edwards actually saying, look, this isn't going to be an easy day for you. I'm going to be I'm going to be unnecessarily rough all day long. So get ready. So I'm I'm even okay with that. So I really felt like they did a great job of improving that. I think the timeliness of the penalties and the mistakes has also been a, a significant factor. You cannot turn the ball over in the red zone. Uh, you cannot have these penalties that kill drives and put you, you know put you so far behind the chains that it's just ridiculous. And so I feel like they did a better job of improving that. I thought last week against the Chargers uh, was was also better, but you know it, it it's such a weird game with all the the backups in there that it's hard to kind of translate that. How is that going to play against the Dolphins on Saturday night? But if they can continue what they did in the Bengals game. And even taking away one or two of those critical mistakes out of the three or four you're making, it certainly improves their chances. I also think with our defense, our defense needs to go make them 
uh, have a mistake. They need to get the ball back. They need to steal a possession somewhere. If the Chiefs can eliminate two of the mistakes, two critical mistakes, and the, and the defense can steal a possession, I think you come out as a victor. But, again, you know, the Chiefs just don't have the offense to recover from these three or four huge mistakes like they've made multiple times throughout the season. And if they don't clean them up, if they, if they haven't improved them in a permanent fashion, it's going to be a long day for the, for the, black, or for the red and gold. Speaking of the defense, Dan, uh, how much were you holding your breath throughout the game on Sunday when you saw Chris Jones continuing to play in the game all the way through, what, midway through the third quarter? Yeah, it was, you know, this just goes to show how tough it is, right? If you got a guy who could, at will, go out and get a sack, if you were to say, it's just hard, you know, if he, if he wanted it, he could go get it. Well, he wanted it. He wanted it for not only his checkbook, he wanted it. And so the fact that it took him three quarters kind of shows you just how tough it is to compete in the National Football League. Uh, but, yeah, it was getting scary. And I, I got a you know, shout-out here to Travis Kelsey, who came up to coach in the locker room before the game and said, it just doesn't feel right, man. He says, I got lots of records. This record isn't that important to me. It feels greedy. I don't think I should be out there. I think I should be, you know, I should, I should be preventing myself from getting injured for the playoffs so that I can play strong in the playoffs. You got to respect that. That's a, that's a mature Travis Kelsey. That's a humble Travis Kelsey. That is not the kid that came into this league 10, 11 years ago. And so real big shout out to him. Look, I get it with, with Chris, it was financial, you know, there's a million dollars on the line, 1.2, I think. And so right. that's a lot of money. And so I can't, can't fault Chris for, for not doing the same, but I thought it was pretty mature Travis Kelsey who really had only a record, no money. And I get it with 16 yards, but 16 yards isn't exactly, yes, it could be one reception. And yes, it could be, you know, it could have been the third reception in which the second reception, Travis Nelson blew out his knee. So Travis Kelsey blew out his knee. So uh, those kinds of things, I think uh, that he made a very wise business decision. And again, happy that Chris made his deal. I just wish it hadn't taken three quarters. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, remember back to the offseason when we look back at what Chris Jones ended up like getting in his holdout. This was kind of it, right? It was this incentive, too, was was that bonus that, that, yep. that, that almost like goes full circle all the way back to that. And and. I thought this about that play, seeing the reaction on the sideline. Sometimes it's weird stuff that galvanizes a team and motivates them. But for a season where we've seen more infighting, more frustration than we have in this generation of the Chiefs roster, to see that scene, you never know, right? Like maybe that's the thing that sort of puts the ship in the most correct direction it's been all year and gets everybody on the same page and leads to the Chiefs playing their best. I, I don't know. That was that was a pretty interesting scene, and Mitch's call was incredible on it, of course. Uh, but it was it was certainly good to see that when we've seen so much of the other this season. Yeah, I think you're dead on. You know, I think when you look at that, and you, you know, there's been a number of games now where Charles Minahu and Chris Jones have kind of gotten at each other on the sidelines, and and then eventually, like you know, a half a quarter later, they hug and kiss and make up. And I, I think there are probably people that say, well, you know, Chris Jones really hurt himself in the locker room for his behavior preseason. And he's not a leader in the locker room anymore. That's hard to argue when you saw the way they reacted. Even Isaiah Pacheco was involved in it. It was the offense in there too. I mean, they all, there's something about Chris. He's just, 
this big teddy bear infectious kind of kid-like behavior that people like and and he it means a lot to him playing means a lot to him I think we talked about it early in September that him sitting up in the stands just didn't feel right and that's when he went back to his agent and said get this thing done I want to play and so while I was frustrated with it I think fans were frustrated with it I even think the locker room and coaches were frustrated with it I think you see at the end of the season that all is forgotten and those guys just really love Chris Jones and it's hard to deny you cannot there's no reason a guy has to do that on the sideline there's no reason he has he can sit on the bench and just look at the surface tablet if he doesn't feel something for Chris Jones that didn't happen everybody got involved in that and so I think you see what a leader uh, Chris Jones is in the locker room I think you see how his teammates feel about him and frankly as much as they love the fans that's what matters most to them and so you're right it does galvanize them it does kind of it not only it not only increases their bond but I think it reveals to us just how deep that bond goes yeah it's good stuff all right Dan well that you know the thing that everybody's annoyed with, and, and I feel it, is the streaming-only Peacock nonsense that the NFL's laid out in the playoffs. But the good news is you can hear the game just the same way you always hear the game on the Chiefs radio network on our Odyssey family. What do you guys have planned for the broadcast this week? You know, Jacob, at this point, I'm just hoping my voice returns. It's been four or five days of, of this sound. It's even annoying me. Yeah. So uh, that's my personal goal is just to get back on the air, not be on the injury list. But uh, I'm sure we'll have a good game. I'm waiting for the NFL. Not only does Peacock affect the, the viewer and listener, which is great for radio. You, you're exactly right. You know, for us, we want people listening anyway. But it they are changing the format of the game itself for Peacock. That makes me just want to slap the NFL. I honestly don't understand that. I don't, I don't see why you would change things for one game, for one guy, but that's what they're doing. This Peacock thing is, is definitely a thorn in my, uh, in my saddle. And I, I just, I'll be glad when we get it done because it's it's odd, right? You know, first of all, the NFL stacks all three AFC games up in the worst time slots. What's up with that? I don't understand sometimes. It's just like we want the Dallas Cowboys, the San Francisco 49ers, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the New York Giants, every other team, you know, whatever. You know, it's the way it feels sometimes, right? And, and I feel like we kind of drew a, a short straw. I know there's some guys arguing out there, Peacock really wanted this game because they want to get subscribers. Could be. It's going to be an epic game. It's odd that it's going to be on such a restricted platform. Well, it, 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 well there's a there's a ta- I, I think there's probably a Taylor Swift aspect uh, to that. that but I, I just I don't understand, though, why the NFL would want the smallest platform for its most high profile viewership game, because that's. You know, call it what you want, but there is the defending champion aspect. There's the, you know, celebrity of Mahomes and Kelsey. There's the celebrity of Taylor Swift tied to this, too, and they won't have as big an audience as, as they would have. But, you know, I don't, I don't know how that process works either. Fans are going to have to suffer through it. We can listen to the game the same way, so we're appreciative of that. Dan, have a great call. You guys have a great broadcast, and uh, we'll see next week if we're right back here talking about, well, another postseason game. That's so appreciate it, guys. Have a great week. Go Chiefs. There goes Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. We'll come back. We can digest some of that, look at some of the other games as we make our way through this snowy Tuesday. Stay safe out there, everybody, today. It's nasty. I'm getting all kinds of emails in on the newsroom email. 
uh, from KWCH. And boy, it is a mess out there. So hang tight, stay warm, stick with it. Hopefully it'll warm up enough that we can get out with the kids and enjoy the snow later today. But, uh, but be safe. We'll be back with more Sports Daily right after this. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor. Appreciate Dan Israel stopping by uh, for another visit with us. If you missed any of that, you can go back and listen for free on the Odyssey app. Interesting stuff there. I thought, Tommy, I like I am starting to fall in love with the Chiefs in this game, like as a bet, and which is always dangerous, right? But it does feel like this is lining up for them very nice. Miami has been decimated by injury. Miami has to come to what will be brutally cold weather, which has never been good for them historically. I don't know how it could be good for any team that typically plays games in warm weather. I, I they, but they Buffalo did everything they could to hand Miami that win on Sunday night, and they still couldn't get a win. I, I think Miami is trending way downward. I think the trend the, the the Chiefs are at least trending neutral. I kind of think they're trending a little bit up from their bottom. And I just think the circumstances around the game in just about every way favor the Chiefs. Can I just say, I hate that narrative of warm weather teams not being able to play in cold weather. I hate it so much because I feel like there's this mentality that because these players are in a a climate like Miami, they just don't know how to play in cold weather. And how many of these players played in cold weather climates in college or in high school, or they go on the road multiple times over the course of the season and they're playing in cold weather climates. Like, I don't feel like just because you go to Miami, all of a sudden you forget how to play in the cold. Now, is a team like the Chiefs, are they more accustomed to it? Sure. The Packers are more accustomed to it. Absolutely. The Bills are more accustomed to it. Absolutely. But I hate this narrative that all of a sudden, like I feel like this thought is, they're going to be like the Keystone cops out there and they can't figure out which way to run because it's cold outside. Like, I don't think that's the case at all just because they're in Miami. I think a lot of these players know how to do it. Now, I do understand the stat that Tua hasn't won when the temperature is below a certain uh, temperature. He's not used to that sort of thing. I think they can, you know, take that to their advantage if you're Kansas City. But, man, I just I don't like that overall narrative that all of a sudden teams don't know how to play when it's cold outside. In their last 10 playoff games as a franchise with a kickoff uh, below 40 degrees, what do you think their record is? It's, uh, it's probably not very good. What, 3-7? and 0-10. Oh okay, fair enough. 0-10. Oh fair enough. It, it's a narrative because it's a narrative. It's a narrative because it's true. It's but, a narrative I mean, because history has yeah, played but, it but out don't you year think after that, year after year. But, but don't you think I'm it not, gets it's overblown not a, a little bit? Players. Like, it's just like no, all of a sudden don't. you don't know how to play football in cold weather? I think if you put – no, it's not that. It's just that you, you're you not used to it. You're not practicing in it. You're not doing all these things. I think if you put Aaron Rodgers in Miami, he wouldn't be near the cold weather quarterback. He is in Green Bay. What changes? The, He's play, played in Green Bay for the majority of his, of his career. It's not like he changes, forgets how to play in the cold weather. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, if if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Dolphins over his career, he's not as good of a postseason quarterback in the cold weather as when he's in Green Bay. You're used to your Was Tom Brady a worse quarterback in Tampa Bay when he left New England? That's a oh, cold I don't weather think it, climate. I don't think it— 
I don't think it works both directions. I think Tom Brady spent his career in a cold climate and then happened to go into a warm climate. And I think played all his playoff games, by the way. It'd be different if the Dolphins were the home team. I mean, it just would. History shows us that. It's hard. Like, why are, you know, like, you just, you're not used to it. That's all it is. I don't think it's a knock on any player individually. I just, and, and so, like, Tyreek Hill knows how to play in the cold weather in the postseason. Has he been gone too long? I don't know. He's hurt. It's going to be a tough comparison to make. I think style of play matters quite a bit. And the Dolphins haven't, you know, in a lot of those years, been a run-based team. They will be that this time. That is an interesting dynamic here, is if Miami has its way, it's also going to want to just run the ball a ton, right? And that would be the thing going back all year, right? We've talked about this since, I don't know, probably halfway halfway through the season with Miami. It's like, maybe they could buck that trend this year because they can run the ball. Like, they are a run-based team. With explosive as they are in the passing game, they're a run-based team. So they do have a little different DNA stylistically this year that would make it somewhat interesting. But the proof is in the pudding. History's there. They don't travel well in the postseason. They don't play in cold weather well. And, and it's not just one team, right? It's been like a bunch of versions of it. I think that tells you it's not it's not so much that these specific players can't do it. I think it's more of when you play in practice in Miami all year, it's a little jarring to have to go to you know Kansas City or Buffalo in January. I, it's gonna I think be I can explain it sub zero. Okay, Jeff. I think I can explain it watching the traffic like I do for the, the Steve and Ted show in the morning. <laughs> Kansans, how. Kansans know how to drive in this kind of weather. We, we have to do it every year. But I notice the first time it happens every year, there's a lot more accidents, a lot more wrecks, a lot more slide-offs than there are if it's, say, the third or fourth time we've done it. I think I, I took a good point. Maybe, I, and look at what happens yeah. in Dallas if they get a little ice. They shut the city down because exactly. there are so many accidents. Right. So I do think it's like you just you're just not used to it. Again, I don't like it as a narrative of like these players are soft and they can't do it. Because I don't agree with that. I will agree with you there. I just think it's you're not you're not accustomed to it. You're not practicing in it every day. Not that the Chiefs are either, right? They'll probably practice indoors. But they do Occasionally, you get you get out in it. You get out in it and feel what it's like. Rick Rogers loved to get out and practice in it and be miserable. And I, and I think he's had things where he's talked about, like, you just have to get used to being in it so that you can thrive in it more than your competition. And, and so I, I don't know. I do think it matters. Absolutely, I think it matters for these teams that have to go get in it. I mean, if you take me from, a, from the beach in Miami— and plot me here in January, like it's going to take me a minute to get back used to that. That it, it sucks, and I think it sucks for them too. And they got, but they can run the ball, so that's that's the X factor probably this year. Yeah. So I was at Arrowhead for the AFC Championship game last year against the Bengals, and it was incredibly cold. And I think it was, I think, pretty similar to what we're going to have this weekend in Arrowhead. I want to say I think so too. Yeah. I want to say the temp was like 15 or something. It was Pre- pretty close to zero wind. Chill. Yeah, it was brutally cold. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in Arrowhead. I'm with thousands of other people and everybody's kind of like huddled up and trying to stay warm. But I remember watching that game and I know that Cincinnati is also kind of a cold weather climate, but there was never a moment in that game 
where I thought, man, I just don't think these teams are performing at a high level, you know, because of the weather. I, I just oh, thought I, it was I, a, no, I just thought the it was, Chiefs, a, it was the a football game. Which have, the Chiefs, which have been a high-flying offense, have played fine in cold weather. I think that's what I mean. Like, they're used to it. Buffalo's not going to have any problem with it. You know, like Dallas is going to have a problem with it if they have to travel to Philadelphia or Sanford. They wouldn't have to travel to Philadelphia, but if they have to travel to San Francisco and it's cold, like I, they play in a dome. I, You know, Jared Goff plays great in a dome. He doesn't the weather. When you're used to something, you, you're used to it. And and so, yeah, I, I, think, I think I think the biggest question make it to its advantage. The biggest weather question for me, and I haven't looked at the forecast it's less about the air temperature, and it's more about the wind. You know, is the wind going to be strong Always. on Saturday? Always. Like, that's yeah. the biggest thing, because we know that the Dolphins have Tyreek. We know that even though Jalen Waddle's been banged up, they've got him. They've got speed, and Tua likes to throw the deep ball. And if the wind is a factor, then it, that that's going to come into play. Now, I'm kind of with you, and I'm kind of with Dan. You know, he talks about the way that the Dolphins run the ball. Devon Achan is a pretty solid runner. I don't know how healthy Raheem Mostert is going to be, you know, for the game on Saturday. I know he didn't play last week. I'm not sure his injury designation right now. So I don't know if we're going to see a double dose of Achan and Mostert together. But their running game is pretty elite, and that's – I do agree – uh, you know, especially if there's any kind of wind on Saturday, they're going to have to really focus on running that football, controlling the clock, having sustained drives, because I, I just don't think that airing it out is going to be the way that it works. I um, I think one of the, if not the biggest key for Kansas City in this game will be to tackle A-Chan. Like, you cannot let them have break off two, three massive runs that's going to be the thing that gets the Chiefs into big trouble. I don't even care if Miami's moving the ball, right, picking up first downs. You cannot let them pick up big plays in the run game. If they're getting first downs, if they're kicking field goals, don't care. They can't beat you because A-Chan, you've done a great job on two downs and then A-Chan breaks one off for 60 yards. You know what I mean? And and that is, like, for Miami, who, you know, has struggled historically in the cold weather, Running the ball is the key to that, right? Running the ball and playing good defense and tackling and not missing assignments. That's how you win it. That's why Baltimore looks pretty primed to do, to do well, right? Because they run the ball and because they play sound defense. The Chiefs have to play that sound defense that we've seen them play most of the time, which is why I asked Dan Israel, like how key is it that the offense doesn't screw the defense on that, right? Get Not give the defense a chance to do its thing. I think this... And we'll see what the weather does in each individual game. Who knows? Uh, the way this winter is off to a start, my guess would be that the Chiefs do not play uh, a nice weather game until potentially the Super Bowl. That would be it. Otherwise, you're going to be playing in bad weather every time you play in this postseason. I think that's interesting when you look at teams that might be able to be successful in the postseason, right? Which teams can play good defense, which teams can run the ball. I think those teams, even more than ever, will have an advantage because kind of home field goes through those places. But the Chiefs have an opportunity here to take advantage of their strengths. They are built to play cold-weather football this year, more than they ever have been probably. And so go do it. And whether you're playing in Kansas City or Buffalo, that's going to be the case. Who cares? Or Baltimore. You're going to be playing in cold weather no matter what you do here. Do it well. That's what they do well. That's why I like them a lot in this game. I think it's 
it, it, all, all the signs point to right now advantage Chiefs. We'll see about, you know, their own injuries, and they, of course, have to execute it. But I really like the Chiefs. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This week, and I really like a minus. I think it's moved to four. Um, I think Miami's in trouble. And that, look, they get a chance to go to go bust this narrative themselves. And, and they're as equipped to do it this year offensively as they have been. Defensively, I think they're in some trouble. Boy, if it's cold weather and you know the Chiefs want to run the ball, you don't want to be down three linebackers, right? Like, that's... Yeah, can you imagine getting hit by Isaiah Pacheco? I want all running the, the football props. when it's 10 degrees outside? Man, no. like, that's got to that's gotta sting. And nope. especially when you're down a bunch of linebackers and you're probably playing mm-hmm. backup. By the way, did you know the only two healthy linebackers for the Dolphins right now are Melvin Ingram and Emmanuel Ogba, both former Chiefs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and hey, I, Melvin Ingram, the fountain of youth, man. I love Melvin Ingram, always have. He uh, he played big in that last game. He had a couple big plays. I, I didn't watch him on every play. He might have got, gotten beat on 10 plays, too. I don't know. Uh, we'll continue the conversation. Uh, just seeing a room, and I haven't looked at this yet, but just seeing kind of a story that Mike Tomlin uh, mulling over you know, wondering if he's going to come back next year. Well, he's no longer on the hot seat. There's no chance of that. So we'll get into that story a little bit as we talk about coaching carousels and all of these things. Stay warm, everybody. We'll have more Sports Daily right after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. So I guess there's, and it's getting, I mean, it's Schefter, that there's real uh, possibility that Mike Tomlin, who's still coaching in the playoffs, could step away after this season. Uh, He, you know, at one point for a long time was the youngest coach in the league and all this. They haven't had a losing season in 15, you know, in uh, how many years, however many years, a ton, Uh, 17 straight. Um 11 playoff appearances in those 17 years. I think he's 51. That would be fascinating. Mike Tomlin, I've always contended, is as good as there is in the sport. And, I and, and man, there were people calling for his job. There's, you know, all of these things. And I'm like, I, like he, he missed with Matt Canada. But, man, here's Pittsburgh with their – how many quarterbacks have they played this year? Sitting in the postseason, like, this dude's a – Awesome coach and has proved it time and time again. And I, I if if he steps away, it won't be for long because he could have just about any job he wanted if he does that. Yeah, I'm surprised about this. I mean, I, I understand that, um, you know, if I'm Mike Tomlin, yeah, I kind of want to go out on my terms. That's what Bill Cower did, right? Bill Cower left the Steelers on his own terms after having a lot of success. And, and you know, the Steelers are an organization that they've only had a handful of coaches, right? And so um, I get it. I understand Tomlin wanting to control his own destiny. I just think that there's more there 
for Tomlin to accomplish with the Steelers. Yeah, they won a Super Bowl, but it's been a long time. And, you know, I, the quarterback situation, I think, is unsettled. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett is probably not the guy that's going to lead you to a Super Bowl, and they've been riding with Mason Rudolph the last few weeks. So they got to get that figured out, and that might be a reason why. But, man, they do have some good young talent. If they can hang on to George Pickens, and if Deontay Johnson can, you know, stay consistent and get that figured out, and Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, they've got good players, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And, oh, by the way, they've got T.J. Watt. You know, so I they've got the talent, I think, to continue to be successful um i'm not sure that this is the right time for mike tomlin to step away well you never know the motivations to do it he may be sick of hearing about you know fans sort of turning on him it's been the strangest thing i i i had these conversations with people when i go on cbs it's not like a small contingent there's a pretty large group that thinks it's run its course with tomlin similar to what happened to andy Reid in philadelphia right and maybe a change of scenery is the right thing for everybody involved i think that steeler fans have been a little spoiled in their expectations and they so the narrative with him is he hasn't been able to get it done without ben roethlisberger and i would counter that with yeah, but he had a lot of really bad Ben Roethlisberger years, too. And so, like, I, I think they've achieved a lot through a rebuild of sorts. Like, they continue to make the playoffs even as they're rebuilding, which is really, really hard to do. I think Tomlin, you know, whatever it is, he's got it. Like, whatever it is that makes coaches great, he's clearly got it. And he'd go make somebody better. And if he does leave, it is a pretty attractive job. I agree with you. You get a pretty good quarterback in there, and and they've got a roster that I think you could you could I mean they their big issue is the offensive line, but you know they've sort of been getting that in there. Uh, Tommy says he has breaking news. What's up, Tommy? Yeah, so NFL news uh, that is relevant to the playoff game for Kansas City and Miami this weekend. Mike Garofolo, NFL insider, reporting the Dolphins are signing veteran pass rusher Justin Houston will be joining the Dolphins. Wow. Former Chief will be playing for the Dolphins this weekend. Of course, we just talked about their injuries at the linebacker position. We know how experienced Houston is. Spent a long time with Kansas City, but he's going to be joining Miami. If anybody knows how to play in the cold-weather climate, yeah. Justin Houston yeah. does. I can't believe he's only 34 years old. Yep. Man, he was a game wrecker. Love Justin Houston. Feels like he's about 44 years old. Uh, but no, just 34 years old. So, interesting. I, I'm I'm falling in love with this Chiefs bet, and that's dangerous territory. I, I'll bet you this, Tommy. Line started at three and a half. I think it's at four today. I'll bet it gets up to. I'll bet it gets up to. I want to say six, but I'll say five and a half. I'll bet it moves that much further by the time we get to Sunday. I think this line's going to move a lot. I think the Dolphins' injury news is going to start, you know, snowballing a bit here. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll, whatever it is, I, I think that's, that's where this thing's headed, but Miami does have game changing players. I mean, that's, that's the thing you've got when you've got Hill and you've got a Chan and potentially Mostert, all of whom can take it to the house on any individual play. We'll see what Waddle does. They're a dangerous team, but they're hurting right now, big time. And, and they have a tough road ahead of them. So we'll see. I, I like the chiefs. It's on the chiefs. They, I can't sit here for the last two months and say I, I still like the Chiefs in the postseason. I still like the Chiefs in the postseason. It's sort of lining up for them. We'll see if they can get it done. And, and you know, what's odd about it is 
it hasn't like we saw rock bottom, I think, but it hasn't gotten like markedly better since rock bottom. I just still no, like the formula. I just still like the formula for them. That's it's as much that as anything else is I think they've got a formula to get there. And how often have we talked about the very narrow path that the Chiefs have to do? They have to play in to have that success in the way. postseason. Yeah. It is set up for this particular game. I don't know if it's going to be set up moving forward. If they've got to go to Buffalo potentially in, in January, and I don't know about that, but uh, let's get through this game first. Yeah, I, I think that the, it's it's more that the margin of error is just so much smaller than it has been in years past for a team that makes a lot of errors yep. right now. And we'll see. 869-1240, we'll tell you what's on tap the rest of the day here on Sports Daily when we return. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.